Hello, welcome to quarter two, 2021 of Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. It's not a joke. That's that's basically what I'm doing. Uh, longtime friend of the show, hasn't been on in, in way too long, Greg Leahy. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, it, indeed, it has been too long. I think the last time it would have been on a telethon recording that might have like, snuck into 2019. Uh, but uh, like a full episode, just the two of us would probably have been like three years ago now. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, it sneaks up on everything. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> everything. Well, this whole year's hig- been a mess. Higgledy piggledy, yeah. But uh, it's. It, uh, yeah. I would very much have liked to uh, to have done one last year. Could have got into the early planning stages of uh, a theme and doing my usual like preparing picks and songs and questions and all that and uh, just uh, didn't really quite get it done in time before everything got disrupted with the pandemic which is you know obviously affects everybody differently but I think for quite a few people it's one of these things where you kind of end up with more time in some ways and less time in others and it definitely the kind of time for me to just kind of lock everything else out and just listen to video game music or, or to play a video game where like you know it's just kind of like immersing yourself in it, it I've, there's been less time for that broadly so yeah it's it's overdue i just it, but uh, i've kind of let go of needing to pick everything you you've been uh, kind enough to pick up the slack uh, and hopefully it's going to be an enjoyable program well i i understand why uh this one fell on the floor. Um, I guess we should give you the, the broad theme as, as a listener. So the, the, the broad theme here is uh, it's been a year in the making. It's uh, the year, uh, what is it, the 2010s, I guess you'd call it? Yeah, I guess um, so. This, this, this is as good a name as we've got for them. Yeah. And uh, I, I probably spent like six hours just picking music down, selecting to three songs. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, it's... No, when you when you go down, you kind of go down rabbit holes with it. As I've done this myself, and you've obviously done it many more times than I have. It it is you try to get the particular song, especially the radio trivia structure. You're always kind of trying to you've got three songs. It's like Nintendo boss design, right? You know, it's a rule of three, and you've got to iterate on each one. (laughs) You know, you try to kind of lead people towards the answer to an extent but you also might want to put a little bit of misdirection in especially in the second song or the first song maybe it's it's, uh there's a lot that goes into it yeah there's a lot of informal trades going on there uh, well i don't want three songs that sound really similar uh you know or, or even similar to something that we heard last you know, game. Yeah, you gotta you gotta think about how the games fit together as well. Yeah, uh, so so I mean, this is very much behind the curtain here, but yeah, there's just you know sometimes I half-ass it and just choose three or or go with what you know. Sometimes the listeners write up a request and I'll just go with that if uh, if I like them. But um, this time I now I I I went down the deep end, uh, writer intelligently or not, and and you know it's like an hour later for each game. Like oh my god, what am I doing to myself? But hopefully, hopefully it shows in the final product this week. Uh, this well, quarter, in this sorry. case, I this think we go in. The, yeah, well, it's a, it, yeah, it's a, a quarter to cover a whole decade seems like a reasonable proportion. It's uh, 
It's a, it's a strange decade in many ways because, you know, it begins with, you know, the world sort of still recovering from a once-in-a-generation sort of economic downturn, only to end on the precipice of a once-in-a-century <laughs> economic downturn, yeah. uh, which it doesn't really seem like that should add up in, in one lot of ten years, that uh, <laughs> those two things could get that close to each other, but that's just the, uh, the times we're given. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's basically the usual format. Three songs uh, for each game, five games. And uh, Greg knows most of them, but actually this very first one, uh, I, uh, I picked. So uh, don't have a sense if uh, he'll get it or not. I, I would not have gotten this game. But, yeah, I mean, uh, just listening to all the episodes, it's like every now and again... There's things, you know, that I'm like, I, I'm proud of myself, I guess, because it's not something I actually like owned or played, but I've intuited it from a few different things. But yeah, I, I think broadly the uh, the rolling average of my ability to get radio trivia things right <laughs> is definitely trending downwards. Well, mine is trending down because all the games I would have known or I've been used, right? That's true. Um, yeah, you know, Unless it's like, you know, like Johnny or he'll pick games that are like, he knows that I have a chance again. That's it, the thing. It is, it's it's a journey through the 2010s of Nintendo video game music that has not been covered before. So it's like the obvious right. stuff. That, that's a pretty big hit. The obvious stuff has been you know, <laughs> has been covered. So it's it's good. doing the uh, the best with what's left.
retro surfing vibes I'm getting from yeah. that. It's uh, not immediately coming to me uh, what that might be, which may yet be embarrassing <laughs> if it's something that should be in my wheelhouse, but it's a good fun in any event. Well, it's not the Munsters. <laughs> Everyone remembers that 2010 Munsters Wii game. What do you mean? <laughs> Oh, I'd kill for something like that. I love monsters. Oh, yeah, I remember watching that a lot when I was a kid. It was just on TV a lot. We had about four channels, so it's monsters yep. o'clock it is.
And there, there, that that was kind of your urgent news bulletin JRPG percussion coming in there. <laughs> so interesting food for thought juxtaposition with the first song, but I'm not there, not yet. All right. Well, this hint question might help. So here you go. This game is the sequel to which similar game from the same somewhat unexpected developer. Hmm. Unless my memory's really faulty on the balance of the three songs, I don't own this game. I'm not familiar with this game. So we're in real guessing territory here. Which, uh, uh, the hint question is definitely pointing to me in a few in a, in a direction here, as, as, along with what I observed about the second song. The unlikely developer, kind of a follow-up, uh, leads me to guess... Could this be Mario Sports Mix? Ha <laughs> ha! You got it, buddy! Yes! You got it! 
Now that's well the, done. That well is, done. I, I I thought the hint might help. That is a very helpful hint question. It's just because uh, I wouldn't have had much to hold on to there without the exception of the, the urgent JRPG style sort of percussion in the second song. But obviously everything else about it did not have that JRPG. I mean, I guess the JRPGs have like occasional interludes where the characters just muck about on the beach or something. It could have been right. the first song, but yeah, still, it just it didn't seem that way. But it makes sense. The unlikely developer in question for a Mario Sports spin-off is Square. Square Enix, so they um, they developed first Mario three on three basketball. Did that have different names in different places for DS? Uh, I think it might have been Mario Hoops three on three in right. the US. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think I think it, it's a weird tag up. So I, I, have they ever really come clean on the story there? Because my my impression is that there was some sort of falling out between Nintendo and Camelot, and and so it was like well. Who else can make sports games for us? I guess another JRPG developer can make sports games. Well, because it is true, there was <laughs> that interregnum where you know where we've come to expect a sort of steady diet of Mary Golf, Mary Tennis. Uh, and, and the, and there was a little bit of that soundtrack there at one point where I was like, it's, it's a bit Camelot-ish, you know. Like, and I was, what is it? Could it be Sakuraba doing something somewhere, or you know, like it, it was? But it probably is just because it's a Mario Sports thing that, that was right. giving me that vibe. But yeah, the, you you had all those games sort of up to the mid 2000s and then also they they started. I, I mentioned this, um, you know, when Mario Golf for uh, the Switch got announced. You know, the whole like we love golf thing but you know mm-hmm, the camelot exactly. making a golf game for Wii seems like a completely natural sort of match but it was a sort of vaguely capcom thing it didn't fully like go capcom golf like it was just like costumes for the characters but it was published by capcom and all yeah so you're right about that i guess it although i mean i'm trying to think there was a big gap between this as we've already you know told everyone would have been in 2010 but um you know hoops was quite some time before that and i guess it was just a few years after this that um they put things back together with camelot because we get mario golf on 3ds yeah yeah i think hoops was like in a DS game for in like 2007 or something relatively not like, not like really early DS but you know like in, in, in early like kind of time you know when it was really surging in popularity mm-hmm. yeah so the soundtrack was uh, uh, by Masayoshi and Soken and Kumi Tanioka no uh, Sakuraba in sight it's uh, I guess <laughs> the Square Enix shop there no um, sure yeah you know, this game, I, I've never played this game. It was re-released for Wii U. I, I have to say, based on just the videos I've looked at, the Wii U upport, at least in some regions, I don't know if it was released everywhere there, but uh, it looks a lot cleaner on the Wii U. Uh, the Wii version just looks way too gaudy, in my opinion. Maybe it was the video capture device in question, but... Uh, yeah, so what is this like when you buy through, like, you buy the... The Wii games on the on the eShop, like that kind of thing, or what? What was the deal with this? I, I'm not sure. I think it was just like maybe a, a Australian Europe only 
port for Wii U. You do uh, get some. Sure. You do get some odd. Th- obviously, they, for 3DS, there was that really late Mario Sports. Uh, was it Mega something? I, I forget now. That was really, really late and kind of obscure, kind of past. Like, wasn't there horse riding or something? <laughs> it was, it was very late. But I, I didn't play hoops or this in it, in any form. So even though I did love Mario sports games, played very many of them. But um, just, just uh, under different circumstances, I might have got around to it. But uh, I just didn't really. I guess uh, just didn't feel like I needed anything that fresh in the multiplayer department at this stage oh weird so I'm looking at the wiki page on this now at least the Mario wiki page and it's it came out uh, on Wii U so the Wii release was in 20, late 2010 uh, early 2011 depending on you know where you live and then there was a Wii U port that came out in October of 2015 <laughs> in Europe and Australia <laughs> wow. and then at least according to this page uh Almost a year later, in an American Japan, they released it on Wii U. So yeah, I see, that's so really weird. I would assume that'd be that's got to be the download thing, right? I mean, the, yeah, it was the, a digital download. The, thing uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, I, I'm still surprised it was that late though, because I mean, obviously, it was a little bit late getting some of the download stuff up and running on on uh, Wii U. You know, some of the catalog things, but uh, yeah. that was. Uh, that would have been really quite late, uh, you know, if the Wii U was already well in its sort of death throes, but I guess it was, it was something you could put out there. And it was kind of, you know, anything that came out for Wii as late as this, you had so, not that there weren't some really good games and some games that sold really well from, you know, that holiday kind of uh, 2010 I think like uh, that's the year that gave us like DKC Returns and Kirby's Epic mm-hmm. Yarn and you know but um, at the same time it, 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 there was some risk of you kind of getting um, lost in the shuffle I think because it's definitely kind of waning the the, the, the interest in Wii and, and the software sales to, to some extent and I think that's some of the reason why so many of the games from that period did end up getting like ports and re-releases on other things you know DKC Returns shows up on 3DS Kirby's Epic Yarn shows up on 3DS way like when the 3DS is is like in its weird afterlife and stuff you know right yeah well Mario Sports Mix I, I don't think there's anything terribly notable here it's kind of a serviceable game right it, it, it's kind of expanding the Mario Hoops 3 on 3 thing to be Maybe five additional games, and they had they're all kind of like volleyball and hockey. They're all kind of seem similar-ish in in flavor in that way. They had Um, some square representation in the DS game. I seem to remember like little Final Fantasy characters, like not major characters, but was it like Moogle or something? I forget. Yeah, you can definitely play as a slime uh, (laughs) in this game. And the second ti- the second song I played is titled Battle with Behemoth. And Behemoth being uh, a recurring um, boss, I guess, in a Final Fantasy series. So, um, yeah, there, there are definitely some token nods to Square Enix stuff um, just kind of thrown in there. But it, it, it skews strangely close to, like, a Mario Kart formula in some ways. Like, it has the item right. thing that you can collect and throw, at least in some modes. But the thing that really made me scratch my head is that, like, okay... So you got these themes, and you got have a wa- you have a Waluigi level. You, you, you chose Waluigi Pinball. 
what? Like, is, that, <laughs> is that like the established Waluigi thing? Like, I guess it was, I mean, <laughs> there was... It's the only thing they could latch that, onto, they didn't want to create anything new? That, I, yeah, that was a Mario Kart DS thing, wasn't it, Waluigi Pimple? And I guess, yeah. you know, I don't remember there being anything in Mario Kart Wii that was that specifically Waluigi, was it? So... That was the most recent, like, very Waluigi thing in a Mario pinball. <laughs> I don't think he's had a real Waluigi pinball game, which surprises me. That's true. That. I mean, they, they really should. They really should have gone there at this point. Why not? <laughs> it, it does seem. It seems like a kind of a natural sort of uh, thing for either Wario or Waluigi in that they would be they would be operating an amusement arcade or something that's a bit dodgy and uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unscrupulous table of some description <laughs> <laughs> alright well sorry we didn't have a lot to say about Mario Sports Mix but th- no, there's certainly it's, it's a it weird it was a weird pick in in the Wii's history. There was a there's a few of these when I was looking at options here because of the things that uh, you know hadn't been used yet to kind of take us through this this Nintendo history journey uh, through that last decade where it was near misses things like for me things that I you know didn't end up playing but I had interest in you know I might have done under different circumstances and this fits into that category too and it's uh, it's nice to hear the soundtrack there because uh, you kind of. I think if he was going to get it, you'd probably be hoping, like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah, they'll, they'll do some cool things with uh, Square meets Mario kind of thing, you know, not not necessarily in a Mario RPG way. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I was surprised that they don't, like, remake a lot of songs, at least... I don't recognize many of the songs in this. Thing, yeah, I guess so. like, yeah, because I mean, the, certainly what I thought, again, I've never really gone in with these, but Marion Sonic Olympics games, like they, as, as it went on, like had some quite, uh, quite a lot of like remixes of mm-hmm. established themes from those two series that people would recognize from playing you know, mainline games. Um, so I, I guess it's always a bit of a balancing act, though. You know, I don't know how far you want to go with that because, uh, you know, it just, um, you might not be able to have your own kind of identity if you go too far down the just remix kind of trap. Yeah, agreed. Okay, we're going to go on to the second game here. Very good.
Yep, so we're going forward in time in terms of the release dates uh, with this one, but, you know, maybe backwards in terms of uh, the actual kind of uh, generation of hardware. But uh, a really nice tone setter of a song, I think, that one. Very nice. Well, Greg picked the games from here on out, but uh, I picked uh, the songs and questions, so I guess I will read the questions. (laughs) Very good. What fairly ineffective weapon is your primary means of self-protection when dismounted from your mech? Hmm.
A very nice closing song there, and a nice uh, kind of uh, trio, I guess, to kind of sum up the uh, the soundtrack of the game. Although this is one of those that I talked about earlier, kind of a near miss for me. So my exposure to it has only ever really been kind of checking with the soundtrack and, and seeing some footage and reviews and whatnot. I, I feel like RFN discussed this game. Oh, it did. Yes, maybe it, that was just the James Jones effect there. He, uh, well, but, uh, well, do you look, want to reveal the game here? Yes. Yeah, so this is Solar to Robo Red the Hunter for uh, DS, and indeed James. Uh, not, I remember James speaking about it on RFN, especially even though it was a very long time ago because I was editing the show back then, so it got etched into my brain a few extra times. Uh, rather than the ones I participate in now. Uh, but also, James reviewed the game for Nintendo World Report. So, um, you yeah, know, I remember kind of both sides of it, you know, kind of hearing his thoughts on the show and, uh, and then reading the review. Because, as like I said, I was interested in this one. I think it, um, it came out in Japan uh, to probably right around the time that uh, Mario Sports Mix came out, actually, so <laughs> back in 2010. But then it came over uh, to Europe you know, the following kind of the summer of 2011 as a Nintendo published game. Um, I imagine you know some of that may have been the fact that uh, first first of all Nintendo of Europe you know, again kind of contextualise us you know what was going on in, in general in this time period uh, you know ten years ago. Um, Nintendo of Europe are really starting to kind of spread their wings and bring things over, uh, whether it was you know, something that uh, a Nintendo studio had developed themselves, uh, but Nintendo of America declined to localise, like Xenoblade, The Last Story, Pandora's Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you know, uh, last window for that matter on DS, or indeed you know, in the case of this, where you know, it's developed by Cyber Connect, uh, who um, this was a kind of a follow-up to a game that they brought out uh, back in the PS1 days called Tail Concerto. Um, so you know, it was kind of uh, a, a weird corner <laughs> in a way for them to kind of. Uh, bring into being a Nintendo published game in Europe but I imagine it's just kind of you are in this towards the end of the DS's life and software sales and support has kind of been hit by piracy stuff and you know at this point maybe they're just kind of uh, obviously from Nintendo themselves their development efforts would have turned away from DS even when this game came out in Japan but of course when it came out in Europe it was after the 3DS had come out so really you know the the page had been kind of was turning although not as smoothly as they would have hoped you know because of how difficult the 3DS launch was and they had to have the ambassador thing and all that but uh, you know this was I guess something that they could look at for you know the DS market that was left that would kind of appeal to that kind of um you know, niche market that they felt existed for people who were enthusiastic about your know, very kind of um, Japanese games, you know, which this clearly is if you look at it for a moment. You know, I mean, yeah, it's uh, like steampunk, uh, anthropomorphic cats and dogs with mechs as the hint question <laughs> addressed. Yeah. If you want to give the answer to that, just so well, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, the. I have not played the game, but just looking at videos and refreshing my memory on this, it, it actually looks really impressive. It's a, an interesting mixture of 
2D and 3D artwork and, and gameplay. Uh, and uh, you can climb out of your mech. You can't do a whole lot, right? Mostly you're climbing out to, to solve puzzles or, or whatever, walk around, but combat's all in your mech. So uh, when, you're, when you're out of your mech, it's, it's kind of like almost like a, a Blaster Master type situation. You got this little <laughs> stun gun that uh, you can use to kind of stun the bad guy. You really are just trying to avoid him. Uh, avoid uh, getting killed while you're on foot. Um, so that, that's the answer here. And um, I'm really not sure why I never really looked at this. I, I, maybe I was thinking it was a turn-based strategy game or a turn-based RPG game, which I wasn't interested in, but it's not. It's it's an action. It's more action. of an action. It is an action RPG, yeah. And I mean, that, that I was I was quite interested in this. I guess there was an element of it, like I said, by the time it reached our shores, especially, I think, in the U.S., it was Exceed bringing it over again, part of a similar pattern that was happening yeah. at that time, like Exceed bringing over games that, to the US that Nintendo Europe were bringing to Europe. Um, and uh, they, I think it was getting towards the end of 2011 by that point, at which point like 3DS was actually gathering steam and getting you know like legit games for it and stuff. So may, may have been a timing issue. I mean, what I remember from what James spoke about on the show back then and, and in his review was first of all there was um apparently there's an odd emphasis on pushing crates <laughs> there's, there's, there is much box pushing in this game apparently I, I, distinct, I, I distinctly remember that yeah and uh, yeah i'm sure james is an expert on, on all that sort of thing but also um just it was very gentle you know like it, it, it's it's kind of going for you know, a kind of uh, anime, you know, an anime that skews younger kind of feel and they kind of translate through to the gameplay in that, you know, it's not too complex, not too taxing. Look, but it, it all looks so pleasant. Like, I mean, I think this is a gr- kind of a really good example of a late DS game because, you know, uh, e- even in Japan, it was you know, six years uh, into the system's life and you could see how far games had come technologically i mean i think with the music for a start i mean a lot of this music i said yes it's not going to sound as high fidelity as what we had with Mario sports mix on, on Wii to start the show but you know it'd come a long way since a lot of the games in 04 i mean i think this does definitely sound you know, comparable to a ps1 game at times which i'm sure is what they were going for being you know a sort of spiritual successor to the the the, the tale concerto ps1 game um and it's it's just really really nice to listen to the soundtrack it's got you know kind of like i said especially i think when you think about you know way some ds games sounded early on it, it it does have a really kind of rich sound and then graphically I mean, it's really impressive graphically yeah. and aesthetically for a for a DS game. I think. Let's do the soundtrack. I was kind of chuckling because it it feels like you know a very Japanese RPG game, but I'm you know the composer is is Jikayo Fukuda, and I was like, I don't think I've played any games composed by that composer, but I, this music sounds like a very similar style, and I, I just can't put my finger on it. I don't know if um, if it's the, the Bandai Namco tech there, or instrumentation that sounds a lot like yeah, a, a Tales game or something. I'm, I'm like, why does this seem so familiar in style? I don't understand yeah, this. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely some parts, uh, instrumentation-wise, that made me think of particular PS1 RPGs that I know were not 
you know, composed by the same person because it's composed by like Shimamura, you know, like Legend of Mana or something. But the instrumentation for me, a particular kind of, um, you know, synth kind of uh, strings or whatever, it, it, it puts you in mind of that. And I think that's, you know, was probably, you know, just a kind of a, a callback to the, to the particular game and to just to that era of, of games as well, probably. You know, that was, I think, a fair bit of the appeal at that point. I think uh, when this came out, Tail Concerto would have been like, you know, 12 years old or whatever. So, you know, it, 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 that was enough time to kind of, uh, I think, appeal to kind of some nostalgia for the PS1 era. And DS was, you know, a pretty good platform to do that on, especially by the end of its life. I feel like where, I guess, I don't know, when it was just cheaper, more sort of uh, high capacity cards maybe it'd come about to make this kind of thing more uh, plausible, you know, more economic at that point. So you got some some really, really nice stuff towards the end of, of DS's life. And, uh, yeah, just kind of... Uh, I, 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 even though it probably would have been a bit soft <laughs> for me, you know, a bit, uh, a bit, maybe a bit too easy to be, like, really... Um, highly satisfying on like a gameplay level I do kind of regret not not getting this when it was around in that summer well who knows what the future holds I I don't expect this to be the first thing they put on their (coughs) DS virtual console equivalent when it ever comes out but uh, well there is you never know if they're doing a deeper cut this would be probably uh, you know a, a Decent candidate. The uh, CyberConnect 2, the developers and all that, they, they've been talking about a follow-up in this, uh, I think it's referred to as Little Tail Bronx kind of series you know, of games for quite a few years now. Um, and uh, there is there is one game, I think, in particular, uh, that uh, Fuga Memories of Steel, that's kind of, yeah, that has been shown to some extent, but it's been delayed a bunch of times. I'm sure the pandemic has not helped, but yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's supposed to be, I think, coming to Switch and, uh, you know, kind of the previous PlayStation and Microsoft consoles, not the new ones, uh, sometime this year. I, I guess we'll have to see how that, you know, uh, pans out and, and what what it does to kind of continue the, the, the series and the vibe and everything but um, no it, it's I, I just think it kind of encapsulates late era DS you know quite nicely cool we're going to go on to the third game here yeah, very good and uh, I hope we have a lot to talk about with this one because hmm. I got a lot of music that I had to cut off <laughs> on the cutting room floor <laughs> Oh, it's a spoil for choice. Well, that's, that's a good sign.
So I'm not good with my genres of music, and certainly not good with genres of dance. Well, do you? Oh, know what I, kind yeah, of I, 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 I could is? tell you, but that was, yeah, that was pretty. Uh, yeah, the, you know, that could get people moving. I could imagine that was that was quite fun. Big and brash, that's the, and brass for that matter. I suppose is uh, very prominent in that one. Just a little bit of Munster back. Oh, that's Just true. Yeah, the the yeah. vibe is back. <laughs> <laughs> the through line, the secret connective tissue you didn't expect. So, Greg, uh, why don't you read this one? Since you at least were the genesis of the idea on this. So the downloadable content on the Nintendo platform features crossovers from which two Nintendo franchises?
very nicely done. That is very, very much what I would have gone with in the last song there because I think there's a chance if, you put this, you know, if that sounds familiar and if anybody can mm-hmm. pin down where it might sound familiar from and then kind of work it together with the hint question, they might be able to pin this game down uh, if they even if they've never touched it. Indeed. Uh, what game is this, Greg? This is Sonic Lost World for Wii U. Yes, we are in the unhappy Wii U portion of the decade. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the music's nice. I mean, so, oh, um, this game has great music. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, I get, it's 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 kind of that shouldn't really be a surprise because it's, it's coming as essentially like a follow-up to Sonic Colors, which had very nice music and and very yeah. kind of. Um, Mary Galaxy, I think, you know, kind of gave them the impetus to say, "Let's go!" Your really big orchestral kind of vibe, um, and this this was coming out alongside, basically, uh, the original release of Super Mario 3D World, um, and especially the middle song there. You know, I think it's something that that could have fit in 3D World quite nicely, which you know oh, sure. was less. I mean, it, of course, it's still. You know, I mean, it literally reprises themes from Galaxy at, at times, but was less about the sort of the big orchestral bombast, you know, the big scale of space and all that kind of stuff, and more about the big band vibe, that 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 kind of. Uh, thing which um you know and indeed like electric guitar you think of like bowser the bowser theme in that um you know kind of in 3d world is very much about guitar and brass and all that so it's 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 kind of you can't accuse it of like ripping 3d world off because they were coming out at the same time well like you said the the um sonic games or at least mainline sonic games have always had good music I, i feel like um was it Sonic Unleashed was the horrible werehog concept thing? It did, but did have the, that, yeah, that game, was I think, is where they really uh, cranked the soundtrack up and, and went for more of this orchestral and, and big band sound, um, which has been kind of a through line, at least through Colors and, and uh, this game, and probably others that I'm, I'm not as familiar with. And it just sounds fantastic. And, and kind of what you were talking about earlier in the episode of, of kind of uh, you reprise songs. You don't want to overdo that. I think this game soundtrack does a great job of reprising old songs, but also riffing on them and also having a bunch of new songs. So, um, definitely the best part of this game. I, Greg, have you actually played? Uh, Sonic this Lost was World? another, and I mean really near miss. This is about as near a miss as is possible to have, actually. I mean, but uh, before I get into that, I do want to mention the um, the fact that uh, like about like the the, the songs. The final song that you chose there, what is like kind of features like one of the kind of recurring motifs in the game, which is uh, featured prominently, I think, in kind of what is essentially the default song in the Sonic Lost mm-hmm. World stage for Super Smash right. Brothers, both for Wii U and now uh, Ultimate on Switch. So there's a damn good chance if you've played plenty of Smash Brothers, you've heard that melody before. Uh, right, you, you've you've probably heard Zone One music, uh, and this is Windy Hill Zone Two, which, as is common in Sonic games, kind of is the alternate kind of riffing on. Yeah, it. the, the so. sort of another iteration of it and all that. So it's it, that that I feel like gave people a decent chance at it. But yeah, in terms of how close I kept, there was a time, as we said, Wii U 
Yeah, this is the uh, the darkest period of the decade for Nintendo. A roller coaster decade for Nintendo's commercial fortunes. It has to be said. Although much could also much the same could be said of the preceding one. Like it's it's weird how they in both cases they had these huge swings in fortune. When you're talking about the 2000s or the 2010s. It just like yeah. these really nasty kind of downturns, but these crazy highs as well. Uh, but um, the, with, with, with Wii U, there were tough times. And at one point, uh, they, they were basically offering a kind of free game, just like free, outright game, you know, uh, as a contingent on having bought, you know, some other games digitally or something. But it was just like, have a game. Which <laughs> is <laughs> not the kind of thing you could really imagine them doing now. <laughs> times are tough. They uh, are much more generous. And so, in this case, I was basically down to this or Game and Wario. And it's like, well, this, I, you know, kind of, I, I knew there were certain, I, I like colours. I knew this was like somewhat similar, even if the reviews kind of suggested it didn't really come together as well. It'd be like there'd be things I liked about it, and the soundtrack's good and all that. Right. And then Game Warrior is like, well, it's pretty thin game, you know. <laughs> there's not that much to it, but it would be something else to do multiplayer. On but you know, at the time was playing some Wii U games multiplayer, it just kind of seemed like, well, you know, th- this is something that um, you know, like there's plenty of like single player games. You know, maybe the, the Game Warrior is more, you know, kind of. Um, fills more of a gap and that's the way I went so yeah and with that I never I never did play Sonic Lost World well it was a 3DS version as well which I guess was like to this point you'd had the the portable games have been quite like Sonic Colors there's a DS game but obviously it's like a pure side scroller it's not uh, it's not a straight port of the Wii game Sonic Colors whereas in this case I think it's I mean I guess somewhat different but it's fundamentally pretty similar it is pretty similar. I played the demos of both at E3, um, and the frame rate isn't as good. I, I suspect that the level design is def- pretty different, but they use basically the same soundtrack, and um, it, it's kind of a halfway point there. I think the uh, 3DS game actually has special stages, whereas the the console game doesn't, so there's definitely changes. I just don't know how deeply they run. I, I seem to recall 3DS game being uh, received more negatively than... Uh, this game. Um, so uh, I was in kind of a similar boat, Greg. I I, I passed on this on uh, Wii U, but I wound up getting it as part of a, I think it was a humble bundle of some kind for for Sonic. Uh, so I have a copy on Steam, and um, <laughs> I, I had a bad first experience with it because uh, really not the game's own fault. I was trying to get it to work with my GameCube controller and, and adapter, and it. <laughs> Um, it just wasn't quite working. It was like it almost worked, but it, but mappings were wrong, and I couldn't get that wrong. So I, I kind of put it on the shelf. I was getting frustrated with some stuff. Um, but uh, since I knew we were going to use the game, uh, I, I dusted it off, plugged in my Switch Pro controller, uh, which I actually now have. I didn't think I had that time uh, when I was playing this before on my computer. So I, I played a fair amount. I'd say I'm about halfway through now. Um, I... I uh, very mixed feelings about this game. It definitely um, just feels mushy, just in general. I, I don't want to attribute that to it being on Steam or anything. I think it's the game itself. It's just a little bit mushy, which, I mean, 3D Sonic games always have a little bit of um, 
jankiness to their controls <laughs> anyway. But this one, they they intentionally kind of slowed Sonic down. Um, so you have to hold down R to run faster. That by itself isn't an issue. It's just Sonic's momentum just feels very unpredictable to me in this game in, in some ways. So um, I, I had trouble timing jumps more so than usual. And then there's also kind of like some funkiness with the homing, which I remember even on, on the Wii U demo having where, um, you know, if you push A in midair while you're jumping, you might home and, and or you might... Um, do this kick in, in midair. It's kind of like a small double jump. And again, <laughs> Sonic has always ha kind of had this problem. I think in, in Sonic Adventure, you just sort of kind of fly forward somewhere instead of homing on. Right. <laughs> but this one in some ways feels worse because I'll get hurt and I won't know why I get hurt, right? <laughs> so I'll think, well, I, I, why, why, why did I get hurt there? And it's because I, I guess I was tapping the jump button too much or something. And so uh, I was vulnerable. So th there's some weirdness there just in general and how the game puts together and how it kind of seams things together between kind of scenes. Um, it, it has a very pleasant presentation overall. It looks very nice. It sounds fantastic, as you heard and are continuing to hear. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the general premise seems is good, right? You know, Robotnik is, is trying to control these six demons of some kind that he's unleashed and things go awry. It's very cartoony. You know, the writing is pretty bad. It's very, very um, basic cartoony writing. But uh, <coughs> overall, I mean, I, I think they do a good job with, you know, the presentation and everything. It's just they always look really appealing. I, I, I like that. Uh, you know, yeah. the kind of almost... Uh, I mean, it's always been a part of Sonic, these kind of surreal designs, you know, like very kind of yeah. somewhat bizarre, but, but, you know, blue skies and, you know, pretty... But like taking that into a, a, a you know, more into 3D and you know as a kind of some of that galaxy influence, I guess. Oh, definitely a bit, galaxy. Bit more, tons of galaxy. A influence. bit more Galaxy Two actually, because Galaxy Two was very like let's tone down the you know the actual star fields and have more blue skies with all the crazy floating stuff, and that's very much what I think of. Right. I think of the aesthetic of this game as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, this game is fun. I, I think it would have benefited from just ditching lives. It was. It's in this weird period of time where um, the, the industry wasn't quite ready to fully <laughs> embrace the idea of, of just killing off the lives. So, so there's sections that are just you know really infuriating, but um, you know they also throw a bunch of lives at you. So sometimes it doesn't matter. And other times it's like I got to play this whole. You know, ten-minute level over again because we ran out of lives. But it's uh, it's it's, just, it's really a shame because because I, I, there are certain things that really wouldn't have been that big a deal to me if if they just ditched the lives. Well, it's funny though. The, I guess you kind of see that again, like what you're talking about with the timeline with the re-release of 3D Worlds for Switch, because yeah, which realized that originally came out right around the same time as this. Because you know, when you play Bowser's Fury. It's, there are no lives, you know. Right. It, it just, just you get some coins deducted or whatever. But then, you know, when you play the main game, they're there, you know. And it's uh, most of the again, it's like they they throwing them at you so much that you, a lot of the time it's trivial. 
but so you kind of feel like well you may as well have kind of and presumably I guess they could have just changed it to like the post Odyssey thing of just like oh well we'll just have a little coin penalty or something but it's the, mm. the complicated factor with 3D World is the multiplayer and just you know like like multiple people can be dying at, at once or whatever yeah, yeah that, that's, that's yeah the, I'll cut him slack there Sonic is just you should have just done check now they do have a thing where like if you die enough times it's kind of like the stupid guide where I think you can grab a bubble at least in the Steam version I, I'm playing um, and jump to the next section but you've already lost a lot of lives if you you know run into that sure. and there's some collectibles that I'm not sure you keep if you do that so um, but overall I, I think I'm having more fun with it than not fun it's just it's just kind of janky it's, it's, it's the classic more polish or, or maybe another team helping them polish would have done wonders for this game right I feel like so many of Sonic Team's games fall into that where it's like they got a great core of a game here, it's just they're not good at polishing it off the way Nintendo is. And I, I don't know what that special sauce is, but... I think, you know, I, I think it's just back still when, you know, you kind of had the, the you know, Dimps would have been doing the portable game and Sonic Team, you know, were doing the console game. Like it was the same in that regard as, as like, Sonic Colors and, and whatnot. But you do wonder, you know, kind of if it would have been better off just having resources concentrated on one version um, you know Maybe. somehow uh, or just obviously some of it is a case of I think they probably wanted to get it out for that particular kind of window uh, you know oh sure before I'm sure there was scheduled driving before yeah. yeah especially before like 3D World has just like come along and completely sewn everything up or whatever I think it was probably like the month before or something I don't know but yeah, it, it always everything I remember reading about it and seeing of it, you know, myself just it, it seemed like there would be really cool stuff in this game. It's just like you know, on a would it be consistent? You know, would it be consistently enjoyable? Was was the kind of the concern? Yeah, I I think it's worth checking. I mean, again, I haven't got to the end game. Sometimes these kind of games start going into the really bad territory near the end, but. Um, I mean, I, I think there's really fun visuals and, like I said, style and, and some of the characters are amusing. I, the, the the demons, I guess, ostensibly are, are like causing levels to be more chaotic or something. I and mean, there are certain levels that are boss levels where they're like they're they're commenting while you play through them <laughs> in the levels to get to the boss, and and it sort of implies that they're doing something to cause some of this, but it's not immediately clear. But regardless, there, there, there's there's a lot of personality in here um it really does feel a little bit closer to like sonic 2 um mishmash with the saturday morning cartoon and, and that's a, that's a good thing right it's, it's just like the idea of if there's something sort of buggy or something about your level you just like write some dialogue for your villains ah it's my fault <laughs> <laughs> say it was buggy levels <laughs> no, I'm just I'm extrapolating <laughs> you never know when you might need a good cover story part of it is, is that some of the more surreal stuff is being attributed to monkeying by these bad guys yeah so um, it works uh, yeah it's just, it's just a little bit janky mm. in, in the gameplay but uh, you know if you go in kind of expecting that um, I, I think there's enough amusement to be had there and I'm sure it's very cheap on steam um but uh, yeah I, I doubt they're going to be like re-releasing this on switch no although it, 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 everything i'm aware of suggests that like the quality of 3d sonic games has not improved since obviously it's uh 
that sonic forces that came out is just oh, absolutely yeah, that, that was definitely worse you know? that, yeah no this this is much better than that just based on the demo I played this still has a lot of merit it's it just a little bit janky on the edges around, around the middle not just the edges <laughs> the core is good but kind of the the middle layer and the top layer a little janky um okay Oh, and uh, the DLC, the DLC we should mention. Oh, the DLC, right. shouldn't we? The answer to the question, uh, the, which Nintendo franchises were included as DLC packs. Uh, I think um, they were Zelda and Yoshi, with Yoshi coming first. And I think Zelda came you know, a few months later, you know, 2014, by the time that came okay. out. But they had some, yeah, some little zones. And I remember some kind of warm... Kind of feelings towards, especially the Zelda one. I think I think it was like some people were like, "Oh, it's actually quite quite cute." But and that kind of uh, definitely, I don't think it was you know, particularly substantial, but um, it was a little factor is that were making it more tempting when it came for me to make that decision about which free game I was going to claim. But ultimately, evidently, not quite persuasive enough. <laughs> yeah, you can always check it out. It's, uh, I guess they didn't say the composers was four credited composers, so I'm not going to read the gigantic list here, but it, it's the same crew that did Colors, from what I can tell, at least mostly, including, like, Jun Sinoue, who's whatever, been around since, like, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, so. Right. Um, yeah, uh, good, good stuff, good stuff. Alrighty, um, next game.
No, it's this is uh, this is a, a, a really great soundtrack. Just to hear it, it it brings back some great memories. Yeah, I think I spent an hour on this one. <laughs> yeah. I think there's uh, plenty of work with there in the first two songs as to uh, you know what this game might be, but uh, let's, let's have the hint question along with that. Sure. What is the name of this game's evil invading corporation? <laughs>
hopefully between <clears throat> subtle recognizable um riffs in the first couple of songs and uh the main music uh variant in the third song you figured out this game yeah i think it. i think for a lot of people it's going to be a question of which game rather than which series uh yeah. because yeah. it's just the sound is so so recognizable and yeah but also gotta say it's great stuff even for the series i mean i'm a big fan of the the sort of music in general but this is um sort of some of the best stuff for my money it's really really good Greg, what game is this? This is Kirby Planet Robobot from 2016. So we've moved another few years on in this decade. And, you know, the Wii U was, was yes, the, 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 that, that holiday season of 2013 did not save it. It was pretty clear it was done. And so the 3DS has kind of had to be keep bobbing along, you know, uh, picking up the slack until the switch you know nx and all that sort of stuff this is in that sort of period the good old days of uh, we do not yet know what the nx is or <laughs> uh, uh yeah but the 3ds is is plugging away in the absence of a kind of viable console companion and there's still some really really great games coming out for it including this one i think is is one of the strongest definitely one of my favorite games of that particular year 2016 and just uh, i really liked triple deluxe i thought it was excellent but this i felt sort of took it another step further in particular the kind of the the titular robobot you know kind of substituted for the hypernova uh, kind of element of triple deluxe where kirby you just kind of suck in everything kind of on a giant scale bringing in the ro- giant robot like so i think it was just genius because it simultaneously powers up kirby but powers him down because you know, the thing about Kirby is that he's so bloody versatile the way he can just float over everything and all that. It can be difficult sometimes to provide Kirby levels with structure. Um, and But this giant mech concept really did it by, you know, obviously having controls that were really quite different. Um, and, you know, and so he's more powerful in some ways. His giant mech just, you know, kicking ass. But at the same time, the mobility is not as kind of limitless as, as regular Kirby. And they also find a way to bring all the copy abilities into the robot right. mode and all that. It's, it's just really, really well done. I, uh, this is actually a game I've passed on. And I, <laughs> I downloaded the demo. I dusted off my 3DS and downloaded the demo and said, be able to talk about this a little bit and I, I think this is kind of what you were saying before it's it's i played triple deluxe maybe you know a year after it come out so i wasn't really ready for a kirby game yet and so it just sort of fell by the wayside they're still asking 40 bucks for this game by the way so mm, yeah i guess it was too late to kind of get into that nintendo selects kind of thing although right they already got triple deluxe in there i guess yeah they don't that's, want two that's the other games. thing yeah because i think some yeah. they did actually put some really late games into the the, the nintendo so early, at least over here because i think maybe even like the, the 3ds version of mario maker got in there eventually so and that was super yeah, late, yeah, obviously, because it was considerably yep. after Wii U, Mario Maker. So, yeah, I think you, you think you're right. It's just Triple Deluxe is kind of the, almost like the official Kirby of record on 3DS. And it's like, it's just, that's fine. It's a really good game. But I kind of like, Robobot, again, it's, 
like I said, uh, the 3DS was was carrying like Nintendo at the time, but it was still kind of wasn't exactly red hot either in 2016. Like again, it's, it's another one of these kinds of games that kind of feel like might have got overlooked because there had been Kirby there, you know, on the same system, done very well, and it's not like radically different. I do feel like it's just a kind of refinement of Triple Deluxe, which was already good, but just like I, the, the giant robot stuff really clicked with me and so I kind of just made it even better. And so, yeah, I've not actually played Star Allies, you know, uh, the Switch game, which was more multiplayer focused um, afterwards, because I've been on a run of kind of played the very late Wii game, Return to Dreamland. Um, you know, which is kind of a Kirby tradition. You know, you can, there's, there's the Kirby games really late on on uh, systems, uh, and then then Triple Deluxe and then this. So uh, I thought they were all really good. You know, they're all clearly kind of you know, iterating on the same formula, but they're all doing it really well, and also maintaining a kind of Kirby tradition that goes back to at least Kirby's Adventure on um, NES, from my experience, of just like the finale being crazily massive scale. Just like all of a sudden Kirby's right. just this kind of, you know, colourful, jolly little dude going around, like not particularly threatening enemies. But then by the end of the game, he's like facing down some sort of galactic destructive force <laughs> you know, this crazy <laughs> massive thing it's always just so epic and, and great and uh, this is definitely no exception and uh, I, I, the, I guess the whole the, 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 the hit question the, the company in question I believe is the Holtman Works or, yes yeah so it's kind of great name kind of, it's kind of like an oxymoron isn't it like Holtman Works it's like well are they working or are they not are they stopping the work I don't get it but it, the, it, it gives them the robot theme and the company and everything it really kind of what it leads to is obviously what you've got up to kind of like uh, like the triple deluxe is really rich it's traditional like trademark Kirby sound but with really rich instrumentation but the sort of the you know, robot theme here they kind of embrace synthetic elements and mix them together and you, you saw that really with yeah. the last song because it's you know like bringing in chip tunes and all this kind of stuff. it gives it that, that kind of sci-fi sort of a robot flavor along with the classic Kirby and also just kind of referencing the series heritage all at the same time it's really good well we've I mean I, I mentioned during the Sonic discussion that they do a good job of mixing old and new but really I should have saved that comment for this game um, this game definitely has a bunch of references and callbacks to earlier games but they're generally not like straight up covers right they're they're, like that second song is actually a, a remake of sorts of a Kirby 64 song, but I wouldn't have realized that unless you know the label hadn't told me on, on the audio. So, yeah. um, I mean, the, we've discussed this before, but uh, the, the two composers, Hirokazu Ando and Jun Ishikawa, have been around like basically the whole, yeah. maybe the whole life of Kirby. Uh, uh, at least Kirby's Adventure, probably actually going back to Kirby Dreamland, um, and so. They just they got a lot of these games with their belt and they're keeping themselves occupied by uh, continuing to do crazy stuff here with, and they're clearly not bored of it because they're they're still at it doing awesome stuff um, and that that's why Kirby has such a distinct uh, sound to it and its soundtrack regardless of whether you're listening to 
a Game Boy game or a 3DS game. It's just there's just something about it's it. It's pretty pretty that, unmistakable uh, at this point. And yeah. I think I'd be just. Yes, so, you know, with with that Star Ally, you see, I'd, I'd be shocked if that doesn't have a really enjoyable soundtrack as well. So it's, it's one of those where I'm kind of, it's a shame I've not got around to that yet. I guess it's just at that particular point, I wasn't that hungry for you know, another side-scrolling platform, and I wasn't too sure I'd get the kind of full use out of the um, the sort of cooperative element in the gameplay. But, um, you know, it, it, that was kind of unusually kind of early, actually, for Kirby getting in on the system, you know, because he usually is plugging away, you know, on the, on the older hardware. That's just kind of yeah. the way it was. But uh, I, I feel it's been, it's been quite a few years now since Star Allies, so I, can't, I feel it can't be that far away from another uh, Kirby game. Yeah, true. Uh, honestly, I hate to tell Nintendo it was right a long time ago, but um, that demo unsold me from that game <laughs> um I, I it seemed rushed and half-hearted and, and kind of a compromise just because it's trying to be multiplayer um in a way that i didn't feel was the case with um kirby's return to dreamland um but it's also multiplayer I, just, yeah, I don't know there was something about that demo that just turned me off of it I, uh, so hmm Maybe it's better for Kirby games to come later in the platform's life. Maybe they, maybe there's more polish than we realize in some of these things. Um, so, yeah, but uh, this game does have fantastic music. Uh, thank you for prodding me to finally use this game, Greg. I, it was definitely one of those games I've been holding on to. Uh, oh, I might play it. I might play it. I might play it. Well, it's just the it's, I guess it has. It's got to be. You know, it's coming up on five years old now. It's actually it's it's that scary you know, to think that it was that long ago. You know, that I was enjoying it, and uh, I think I don't know whether it was like the second on my the the list that we we end up doing for RFN. Uh, you know, uh, that year was I really and could you know, a lot of the time with that. They, they, you know, it's not a lot separating it. It could easily have, have been worthy of number one as well. I just liked it that much, and I guess the the only thing it kind of left me, you know, irrespective of the specific merits of um, Star Allies, you know, years later, even at the time, I did kind of feel like uh, I don't know. I think they've they've really nailed it with this one. I don't know how they're going to kind of make <laughs> this formula better for me anyway, but uh, I'm sure they could. It, I, I'm not uh, closing the book on them doing something. Really Really cool with the future Kirby games. Hey, I'm fine with them taking a break if they go do some other crazy spin-off Kirby thing that's really awesome. Well, there's always plenty of Kirby stuff, isn't there? You know, like these like the the Kirby Fighters kind of um, spin-off. Did that start as a sub game in Robobot? I think it was. Or, I think it did. Yeah, yeah and and now so. it's kind of Kirby Fighters Two or whatever is uh, you know just its own thing on Switch. And um, there's that the other kind of Kirby, um, you know. Oh, with, it's kind of like a just a co-op boss rush thing that, uh, that's also on Switch. Oh, well, I'm, I'm more a fan of like the Kirby as a pinball. Or yeah, a yeah that's true. I mean, it's so versatile. Or, or, or Mass Attack. That's true. Yeah, well, that, now you want to talk about light. You know, Mass Attack was really <laughs> light on DS, but it was, that was uh, also really fun. Yeah. A um, couple of random thoughts. A uh, couple of themes here. We've, we've got mechs. Yes. Uh, we got we got mechs in two games here. We got monsters. Uh, so basically, monsters music. Mon- yes. Monster mechs is where we go with this. <laughs> uh, Herb a monster in a giant mech. 
uh, and fun fact, you mentioned uh, the end of Kirby's Adventure has Waluigi in it. <laughs> you look at that face and tell me it's not Waluigi. <laughs> you have to re re look at it. Like this sort of look at that nightmare closely. Prophetic. They <laughs> <laughs> did know what they were having a vision of, but maybe it was something, and it was more terrible than they could have imagined. He's, he's, he's looking, you know, hopefully he's going to look pretty good in his new golf gear because they're, you know, they're actually getting, like, golf gear now. Oh, I didn't know that part. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, like, Wario's got like, this big, like, like, kind of, like, cowboyish kind of hat on. Uh, kind of like, what's it, the daily used to wear or whatever his name was, that, that golf. So, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, all, all the characters, like, Toad's got his adorable little, like, sort of caddy-style cap on and all that. Because they did it with tennis as well, didn't they? Like, they had like, act- more, like, actual tennis gears and visors and stuff than just their regular costumes. And they go in awesome. there. So I, 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 we must have glimpsed Waluigi, but, but I, I can't recall immediately what, what he was looking like. All right. Well, we're getting way off track here. Yep. I can talk about that game when it comes out, I guess. Sure. One last game here for you.
Oh, that's the stuff, eh? Soothing. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit high energy. We have to calm down for the <laughs> pull back the a little game here. <laughs> yeah. Still in relaxing territory. What's wrong with relaxing, man? Oh, I suppose, you know, it's, it's the more <laughs> now than ever, it's pretty bloody valuable, I'd say. Yeah. All right, here's a hint question from, uh, actually, from the listener request. This is a listener request. I guess I didn't mention that. Uh, to which character from the first game in this series must you pay? To gain access to new areas. Mm.
gorgeous. I love the uh, the sort of the violin taking over there. It's uh, it's great stuff. Now that you're nice and relaxed. <laughs> We're all in a nice zen state. Greg, what is this game requested by the anonymous listener who didn't give me a name? Yes, a request I heartily endorse myself. Uh, this would be Ukulele and the Impossible Lair for Switch in 2019, bringing our journey through the 2010s to a close with which... The NX has been revealed to be the Switch, and the Switch is a huge success, and all is right with the world, right? Nothing can possibly go wrong from here. Certainly nothing could go wrong with <laughs> nothing could go wrong with Nintendo's commercial fortunes, because they've been making out like bandits. But, uh, yeah, it, this uh, this soundtrack is uh, very, very nice. I totally like the game very much. Uh, again, this is another one that featured on my RFN top five list for that you know, the year in 2019. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I've not played at the time, and still have not played uh, the original ukulele, which of course is you know a direct kind of successor to Banjo Kazooie. Uh, whereas this takes those you know a lot of those characters uh, and puts them into a DKC inspired uh, kind of a platformer, and certainly a lot of parallels were kind of drawn, even though it was you know, Retro who developed uh, Tropical Freeze, you know, that this was you know, kind of, uh, you know, it seemed like it was the, to, taking some pointers from, you know, that particular kind of part of DKC, as well as, of course, the rare developed ones uh, back in the day. And uh, soundtrack-wise, I mean, you've got uh, Kirkhope uh, back, who I assume was pretty deep involved in the original ukulele soundtrack because like the banjo sound is so him like right. kind of defied the banjo sound so if you try to kind of channel that you, you know you kind of you gotta have Kirkhope to deliver that uh, in this case though I think you, people could agree just from listening to the songs there it is you know quite a lot of a, a, a DKC kind of sound that kind of weird mix of it quite chill you know, at times quite uh, you know pleasant to listen to, but then the the DKC games and the D Tropical Freeze, like they always have this like other gear where it can go into like a more kind of tense feel than a lot of uh, kind of uh, other platform series might not have, and I think that was true here as well. So David Wise did uh, produce quite a lot of songs for this, and I think a lot of the soundtrack you know, kind of carries that, his kind of sound with it. But um, also, you had a couple of other uh, composers right. credited with quite with you know, a great many of the songs, uh, Matt Griffin and Dan Murdoch. So I think they must have done a good job of channeling that kind of DKC-type sound into a lot of this stuff, even you know, when it wasn't actually wise himself um, because there's just so many of these songs that really kind of have that vibe yeah I think Matt Griffin uh, composed most of the songs I really like in this game Not, I think I chose two wise ones in here uh, one of which was one of the listener request songs but um, Matt in particular I think did a fantastic job Kirk Hope is the lazy bum well <laughs> 
like like you like you said, he's not really a Sochi or Donkey Kong country. No, so. so he did like the overworld thing. So in this, right. you have an overworld that is it's, it's kind of top down, and you know it's kind of like a much more involved version of an overworld map in a side-scrolling platformer where you've got some like little you know, minor puzzle solving, the kind of exploration that you might have in a top-down kind of game. Uh, and but all, at the same time, it actually ends up like influencing the levels themselves because it'd be like, oh, if you kind of open up so uh, a, a kind of gate and then water comes along and it like actually floods the level that you're going to go by sort of covering the level entrance in water in the overworld when you go into that level it becomes a flooded version of it and it's like an alternate version of the level and so you know, there are various riffs on that theme so it's uh, you know I think that's a really cool kind of idea and I guess yeah Kirk Hope's contribution soundtrack wise is just that overworld where you know, it's a theme that gets iterated on you know, a bunch of times because you, you know, as you go to different parts of the overworld, so that's very much like the spiral, uh, not spiral mountain, um, Gruntilda's lair uh, kind of concept. You know, where you had the that very teddy bear's picnic <laughs> song that would just right. get remixed, you know, a bunch of times as you went to different parts of the lair. He basically provided that for for this soundtrack. Absolutely. Uh, I uh, I only played the demo of this, yeah. But it's a long demo. Is it? Um, yeah, I, I, I want to say it's like six or seven levels or something, including I think more than one section of the. I, th- I think this might be a demo that came out after the game, maybe because I, I I think I just went straight to the game. I probably would have played a demo just just to be kind of sure. Where it seemed like very much my kind of thing, <laughs> you know, from the reviews and everything. It might have been. Uh, I don't know. I played it during the pandemic, and uh, probably a, a bad point in it mentally because I, I, I was not that impressed with this game. But I think it might have been more my mental state. I just found the levels to be kind of meandering. I'm not sure if that's a fair. It's one of these things. I, I don't think level design wise, I don't think it's on the same level as Tropical Freeze, which you know I, I hold that in very high regard. So you know that's that's no dreadful thing to fall short of that, and it's not the most overwhelmingly original thing in the world but I think you know, uh, gameplay mechanics it's uh, it feels very sound uh, you know, very good to control and uh, the presentation and the music is all good and the level design is I think good and you know, especially like coming back for some of the secrets and stuff I think that it's, it's well executed it's just not like tremendously well executed you know it's not like really really special in that regard which it depends what sort of appetite you've got for this kind of game you know I I, 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 I it, it, it timing is a lot of things you know why do you why did I not play sort of like Kirby Star Allies and I did play this you know some of it is just when it comes out and what you're in the mood for at the time but I was certainly very pleased with it uh, when I played it but yeah it's just weird to think it wasn't really that long before the pandemic that this came out and yet it, it, it begins to feel like an awful long time ago mm. So uh, one of the characters that we asked about in the uh, in question here. Yeah, yes, um, that that would be a trouser, would it not? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. the, the the very um, tasteful uh, character from 
uh, this ukulele series. Channeling that ever classy, uh, rare sense of humour, Peel Royal doesn't even really begin to, to sum it up. <laughs> it's just like, oh well, you know, we're we're free from the shackles of the old day. It probably they probably wanted to get Trous and the Snake into some game back in the nineties and were told right. no, and it's like, yeah, finally <laughs> we can do it. Trous and the Snake and his paywalls. Yeah. They, they have the you know desperately biting satire <laughs> we have literal paywalls that you have to uh, um, you know, bring down by paying trousers so you can continue exploring the uh, the overworld yeah uh, so let's see what we got lots of themes here we got we got evil corporations which i, I find very cliche Frankly, oh yeah, I it's, really uh, want games to stop doing that. Um, we got uh, platformers. Clearly, uh, last three games yeah. are platformers. Three D and otherwise. Yeah, mechs, uh, Waluigi's. Um, yeah, <laughs> lots so of themes. Monsters. Of so you know, monsters versus Waluigi's. Uh, you know, kind of evil corporation. I think that is that is the. The game that needs to be made to sum this episode up is Herman Monster and the rest of the family. Who owns? Who owns that franchise? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We live in this era of just the sort of name IP just getting milked into oblivion. Because anything with a name is just like, well, you know, we've got we've got to do something with it because everything else is having something done with it. You'd think. It would have happened, I don't know, some sort of animated revival or goodness knows, but uh, probably... God knows they've done Adam's Family too many times and they aren't nearly as good as the Monsters. Yeah, I said it. In the... <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I would like to say, I saw a lot more of the Monsters TV show as a kid, but then I saw the Adam's Family films with Raul Julia and Christopher Lloyd and all that as, yeah. uh, as a slightly older child, you know, pre-teens, wasn't it? I think probably when those films came out. So that's, I associate them with different periods of my life and therefore can't really uh, uh, sort of fairly judge, you know, which is the superior uh, spooky <laughs> family unit. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel like Adam's family. I, I do like the ones with Christopher Lloyd, but I, I mean they're they're kind of weird. I, I I don't know. I just like the notion of everyday sitcom family that happens to be monsters, and they don't. The premise itself, I just I like that. So um, and it's, 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 it's you know it's a bloody killer theme song. It's just, it's just, I know yeah, everybody likes that, the Adam's probably, family and the clicking and all that, but I, I'd, I'd take the monsters there. That's probably fifty percent of why I like it more. Frankly, is <laughs> is theme song. How <laughs> you beat that out? Uh, all right well uh, we should probably wrap this up uh, Greg thank you so much for coming on it's been way too long it's an absolute pleasure it's been a shame that I couldn't I couldn't it really was my failing not being able to make it happen sooner the, the streak the streak of being on every year when it's, it's sad it's sad stuff but uh, a great lineup of games to come back with I, I hope I I uh, chose uh, to your liking because this was largely your concept yeah, show. Yeah, I think so. you know, it, it's tough. Obviously, you, you, know, you can't it, when you, you're a little bit limited with the t- types of games and only five, and all, you can't really do the whole like you can't do all ten years justice in a couple of hours. But I think it uh, gives you a sense of just where we went uh, through through the decade in terms of uh, you know kind of like some of the changes 
in like the way that the games were stored and all that kind of thing. You know, it's funny it's like now so many games. You know, I mean, they don't even necessarily have to, like ukulele. I think they they have been, you know, uh, physical versions, but that's not really the primary kind of target for sales necessarily anymore. Yep. So it, yeah, the, the kind of the old concerns about you know storage and all that have just tra- changed dramatically, and that's impacted the way music's gone and all that. But clearly, this past you know 2010 up to 19 is very much more a kind of um, compressed kind of journey compared to like 2000 to 2009 you know that's a but yeah because you could have had like gbc games from 2000 and then all the way up to like wii games like that that's a range in music it does it kind of gives you the sense of how much things have kind of converged over time but also you know, just how wonderful some of these the you know, soundtracks have got to the point rich they are now with familiar kinds of series like sonic and kirby and then even sort of like ukulele which is you know not a long-running series but it's obviously riffing off of an established heritage well uh greg uh, anything you want to plug no no well not in particular obviously you know you could you could still find me blathering on uh with what little energy i can muster at uh, radio free nintendo so that's that's exciting isn't it <laughs> it's frying everybody up to go and listen to it <laughs> you really saw it yeah what can i say i just uh i had i had an enthusiasm problem before all this started i, I hadn't done the world for that i got <laughs> Alright, well, till next time, uh, I don't know. I can never end this thing. That's a terrible way of ending because I've never ended that way. Thank you you for listening, and I hope you'll listen to the next show when it's on. Until next quarter. It's it's, a very. Next quarter, gadget. (laughs) Next quarter. (laughs) It's a very very stirring call to arms, that. (laughs) Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and I look forward to next quarter.
Mario Sports Mix is copyright 2010-2011 Nintendo Square Enix. Solitarobo Red the Hunter is copyright 2010 Namco Bandai. Sonic Lost World is copyright 2013 Sega. Kirby Planet Robobot is copyright 2016 HAL Laboratory Nintendo. Ukulele and the Impossible Layer is copyright 2019 Playtonic Games.
too bad for you.